friends, welcome. I'm Andrew Hicks, and you're listening to the Text and Context Podcast. Hey, Text and Context listeners. I just wanted to make you aware of some free resources that are available for you if this series of classes on Mark has particularly sparked your interest. So you can head over to my website, and I have an article that gives you all sorts of great free resources, links where you can follow and study Mark on your own time. So head on over to textandcontext.com forward slash Mark. Remember, it's text and context without ease. So that would be txt and contxt.com forward slash Mark. And there's all sorts of great resources there for you to come through, including a link to the PowerPoint that I've been using as I teach this class. So if you're only listening to this podcast and you're not actually present on Sunday morning in Bible class, then you can have access to this PowerPoint. Or if you are present, but you just want to reference the PowerPoint later, again, there's a link to that PowerPoint there, as well as a couple of book recommendations in case you really want to go for a deep dive into the Gospel of Mark. Either way, thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast. I love Mark. I'm not wasting no time. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, how are you this morning? Yeah? Good week? Mm-mm. Rosemary, get in line. Good grief. I'll send you to the principal's office. John will not be happy. It's hard, though. I don't want to break up hugs. You know? Morning, David. Yeah, they moved that over a lot more. They did. I was like that when I came in. I'm assuming Hog did that last night. Heirs of Grace, whatever. They don't want to go by Hog anymore. They want to go by... Uh, they want to go by Heirs of Grace. They're trying to be more of a family of church, etc. Every time I say Hog, Billy says Heirs of Grace, and I say, yes, sir. So, I don't know. Just following his command. Hmm. All right. I'm going to go ahead and hop into Mark. Um, I think we ended around here, but we'll just, we'll see. We'll see. I need my chauffeur back is what I need. I need that chauffeur back. That's what I need. Actually, I just went and saw that video that you posted, Linda, of the chauffeur. I just saw that today. Yeah, I haven't been on Facebook in like three weeks, but yeah. Just got on this morning. Becca, morning. All right. Juanice, you better get in line. I'm going to send you to the principal's office. John is not going to be happy with you. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> That's fine. I can, I can live with that. That makes sense. Those terms are acceptable. All right. Um, so I meant to add this. You know, a couple weeks ago, I had to sign some cards thanking people for doing, like, the organization stuff. This is for Aaron, who did our – the sound system got it set up for us. I didn't include that. Because I'm a terrible person, but I have <laughs> repented of my ways henceforth. So I'm going to hand that around. So just please, whoever gets it last, just like try to bring it back to me because otherwise it will get lost. That's fine. Uh-oh. Here comes trouble. The Burrells. All right. Um, I'm going to open us in prayer, and then we're going to hop into Mark. So, Father in heaven, we love you. We give you thanks. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the little things like coffee and hot showers, and laughter, and uh, a good building to gather in, and Bibles in a translation we can read. Thank you for all of the many things you give us, especially the things we're not even naming. Thank you this morning for the way that you have told the story of your son Jesus through your evangelist Mark. I pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear, as I think he would be pleased for it to be so. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Yeah. 
Yes. No, Phyllis is doing something with it. Oh, okay. I don't. She's going to replace it with one that matches better. Yes, that. Hey, her artistic eye. Like that painting, it really does. It, like we were walking through Hobby Lobby and she's just like, that one. And I was like, I was like, are you sure? She's like, that one. I was like, yes, ma'am. And then we got here and I was like, I'm not so sure. And then we hung up and I was like, okay. Instantly. It was like, okay. He said you were dating it. I was dating it. I've never heard that. Yeah, that's what my sister says whenever she wants to buy something but doesn't have the money. So she just like, she says, I'm dating that car. I was like, well. I hate to break it to you, but I don't think there's ever going to be an engagement or a marry on that one, sister, because you can't afford that car. Yeah. I married this one, yeah. I guess Phil's good. Anyway, okay, Mark. Uh, I think we ended here. We're talking, we're, we're in Mark 1, 40 through 45, end of Mark chapter 1. We're actually, probably, unless we go down a huge rabbit trail, going to make it to chapter 2. Can you believe it? We have done it, people. We're making progress. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's still time. Something else could happen in the process. Yes, sir? Usually the, there's some lights off, there, oh. so the screen is quite so Oh, yeah. Because although I'm praying for good eyes, I'm quite Boom. No. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. I don't care. I'm young and spry. I can see. He's in the okay. dark all the time. Anyway. What'd you say? You're in the dark all the time. Oh, darling, that's right. Is that a personal comment? <laughs> I hurt my feelings. I'm tough. T- thick skin, soft heart. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Good mess. You only pick on people you love. Okay. Uh, we're talking about Jesus touching the man with leprosy. We're talking about him healing the um, the man who had leprosy. So I- I've I've said this multiple times. Jesus is reversing the flow of impurity and purity, right? The traditional understanding would have been, he's impure, I touch him, now I'm impure, crud. But he's reversed that, I'm pure, you're not, you, I touch you or you touch me, now suddenly you're pure. He reverses the flow of the contamination. It's a holy contagion. Ah, yes, put on your masks. No, uh, one thing I swore I wouldn't do whenever the pandemic happened, I was like, I will not be one of those preachers that makes a lame analogy on the masks and like, we've been wearing a mask for a lot longer than 2020. You know, like, I'm not going to do that. I, I despise that. That's cheap. Not doing it. We've been wearing a mask for a lot longer than 2020. I'll tell you. Nope. Not doing it. Low hanging fruit. Okay. Um, so, but I want to show that there's some other options potentially. So, I think he's reversing the flow. I think that's the most obvious answer. But you could also see it as whenever Jesus touches the lepers or allows them to touch him, either one, that he's accepting ritual defilement with them to show solidarity. That's a nice idea, right? That Jesus is, he's with us in humanity, like us in every way save sin. And so he's like, you experience this uncleanness, I'm going to experience this uncleanness with you because, shoot, some of the restrictions we've made on this are over the top, that kind of thing. I like the sound of that. The problem is, there's no reason to think that Jesus was unclean after touching the guy. Like, I like the idea that Jesus is with us. And you could argue solidarity even if he himself doesn't become unclean. But, like, he, it doesn't seem he becomes... There's no textual reason to think that he becomes himself unclean. It just seems that he um, is reversing the flow. Another option is he could just be challenging the ritual laws of purity and defilement. Like, in other words, he's saying, yeah, he's not impure. It's fine. Uh, remember, even like a, like a boil or something, just like a warp could be enough cause to be quarantined and say I'm unclean. Not necessarily leprosy like we think of, like the skin rotting disease. It can be that, but it could be on a much lesser scale, acne or something. Really bad acne, potentially. So, um, but again, I think this seems unlikely. Jesus is a good Jew and he does tell the man, go and offer the sacrifices required by Moses. In the story. So, I mean, it makes sense to me that, again, I think what he's doing is he's showing that, okay, these, these other impurities, they're contagious, but hey, my holiness is just as contagious. My holiness is even more contagious than the defilement and the sin. And I like that idea, too, um, because God is more interesting than sin. Sin is not more interesting than God. God's more interesting than sin. We talk a lot about sin. We should talk more about God. That's more interesting. 
that's more radical. That's more um, invasive. That's more all-pervasive. That's more uh, infecting. The holiness is more contagious than the unholiness. The cleanliness is more contagious than the uncleanliness. Well, and wouldn't Jesus, wouldn't he have had to go through some type of ritual or process after touching someone who was unclean? Didn't he have to, like... <laughs> Like go away for a few days. You would think he would, but he doesn't. And I can see the yeah. I can see the Pharisees wanting to call him on it, mm. but then, then they go. But they never do. Away. He heard, he it's killed weird. him. You know how? Yeah. It doesn't even make sense with our law. Absolutely. You know, so. and I hadn't thought of it like that because they never do call him, on call him on that. They never do challenge that. Like, hey, you touched that dude. They called him on everything else but that. They missed an opportunity. <laughs> well, I think they even knew that that was silly, <laughs> even as crazy yeah. as they are. I don't know. Or was it just so obvious that even though he had touched someone unclean, that he himself cleansed him rather than right. being infected by the uncleanliness? Right. It seems like it was if so abundantly obvious. Yeah. Someone else, he would not be. Yeah. I think it was abundantly obvious. That's, that's my I don't know. That's an assumption. Who knows? Um, and notice immediately the leprosy leaves him. Immediately. Of course it's immediately. How else would it be? But, um, you know, the disciples' reaction to Jesus is immediate. They immediately drop their nets. And then, you know, the story is carried along immediately because there's an urgency to tell this story. But I want you to know also, even the defilement has an urgency of getting away. The cleanliness has an urgency about it as well. Immediately the leprosy leaves him. I think Mark is drawing our attention to some urgency in that, in that, um, Jesus, A, has the power that it's like instant, right then, right there, um, which I, I think we talked about this, but do you just like see it creeping away? Is it like blink and now it's gone? I don't know. Yeah. Either way, it's crazy. Yeah. Either way, it's crazy. But there's questions you got to ask yourself, putting yourself on the story. But um, it does say immediate. Immediately the rep- leprosy left him. So I almost picture it like blink, whoa. Can you imagine? In the twinkling, in the blink of an eye, you will be changed. Is this a foretaste of greater changes that are still yet to come? Of a greater cleanliness that is still yet to come? I don't know. Just a thought. Um, And then, of course, he sternly rebukes him and sends him away immediately. (laughs) Of course he does. Uh, The language here is really strong. He rebukes the man sternly. He sends him away. It's the same word for whenever the Spirit drives Jesus out into the wilderness. Now he drives this man away. And... um, and this is the first example that we have of Jesus silencing someone he's healed. So you've heard my sermons where I'm like, walk through the whole thing. But this is the first time in class we've seen where Jesus silences someone he's healed. Otherwise, he's just been silencing demons. So at this point, he actually silences a person. So I think like as you're reading along, if you're reading this sequentially, you start in chapter 1, verse 1, you move along. Now you get to this point, you're like, well, that was just awfully harsh. Right? It's, it's really harsh language. And you're like, well, I could understand the demons even. Because maybe you just don't, you know, bad press. You don't want the the bad guys talking about you. But, like, this guy seems like an innocent person. He's just a man who had leprosy. Like, of all people, wouldn't he want to shout it from him? I don't know. So I think as you read along, this is the part where you're like, I think we're supposed to see it as a little strange when we read it. Like, ugh, that's odd. Um... So he, Jesus tells him, say, see that you say nothing to anyone. Go show yourself to the priest. Offer for yourself cleansing. Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And we talked about as a testimony to who, which is interesting. Probably the, the priests that are he's going to show himself to. But the Old Testament prescribes that a person must be declared clean by a priest. That's how it's got to work. So he's saying go and perform the normal rituals. Which is, again, why I don't think Jesus is pushing back against their purity laws. Like he's a good Jew. He read the Torah. He's, he's good with that. It, it can point to Jesus as well as hold on its own. So perform an eight-day ritual that involves water cleansing, shaving of body hair, gross, and sacrifice and offering to the Lord. So, yes. Now, if you have to sacrifice to the Lord and make offerings, I guess that means you're going to have to go to Jerusalem. Yeah? Because that's the only place you make sacrifices. You could potentially make an offering in a synagogue because they take up collections sometimes. But if you're going to make a sacrifice, you don't sacrifice anywhere but the temple. Unless you're a heretic. But we're assuming he's a good Jew. So he'd have to make a trip to Jerusalem just for this purpose. And also, synagogues don't have priests. They have uh, Pharisees, rabbis, teachers. But they're not priests. Priests are in Jerusalem at the temple. Most of them anyway. Unless they're off duty. So you have to... You're assuming he's on duty. 
because you have to offer sacrifice to show yourself to the Lord. So he has to go to the temple in Jerusalem. He has to make a little bit of a trick. Um, Which is how far away? Uh, this guy's in Galilee. 30 miles. It's not far. Jerusalem is not far. Two-day journey? Okay. Okay. It could be. I have no idea. I have no idea. I, I'll be honest. I'm, I don't think in miles. I think in time. So it's like, how far is that? X amount of miles. Great. How many hours till I get there? How many hours drive? Like maybe it's just the smartphone generation that you know Siri says you'll be there in eight hours. I don't know. Donkey cart three days. Donkey cart three days. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it seems Jesus has the man perform the ceremonies for social reasons more than anything. That's, that's kind of the vibe I get from this. You can tell me what you think. But because he says, um, go show yourselves to the priest, offer for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Almost like, um, almost like uh, I've already made you ritually pure, but let's just go ahead and, you know, make sure everything's in order. You already did the paperwork, but go ahead to the DMV and fill out the proper paperwork. Like, it's already in place, but go ahead and do it officially kind of thing. So I think it's almost like a social reason, which is interesting because then Jesus is upholding that social custom, at least yeah, potentially for now. That the priest would say, wait a minute, you had leprosy and now you don't? Yeah. How did that happen? Yeah. And then here's the testimony. And my understanding is they go to the priest regularly to be checked. Uh-huh. So it's like they check it. Nope, you're still unclean. Go away. Uh, mm, it's a little better. Let's wait and see another week and see what happens. Uh-huh. So per potentially he was familiar with these people right. at the temple and the priests are on a cycle. So it's not always the same one, but I mean, there's some regularity. They would know him. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's Jim. He's coming back. I mean, they would know who they he is. They gave him like a COVID card, you know, you're clean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone would say. That's why Jesus say, sent him yeah. to go do that for social. They want him to get his vaccination Before card. That's clearly what's happening. Exactly. Thank you. That actually clears a lot of things up. I like that. That's exactly what's happening. <laughs> um, and then notice, he says, don't kill anybody. And what does he do? He went out and proclaimed it freely and spread the word so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed in the country and people came to him from every quarter. So he tells about his healing. Who wouldn't? And, um, and now Jesus, he gains so much popularity, he can't even go into the cities, so the towns. So he has to stay out in the country. Uh, wilderness, country, wilderness, same word. Jesus loves the wilderness, which is why we should all go camping. No, but there is something to be said for retreat, and Jesus is not above that. Okay, here we go, chapter two. Now, I have promised this. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, you're just like, whoop, whoop. Oh, yeah, okay. I thought you were like, Raise my hand. We are not moving forward. We are digging our heels in. No, okay. Um, now, I have promised this, but now I have... Oh, yeah. Do you have a comment? I just want to keep you from going to, to two. Um, Do you actually have a comment? Oh, okay. It's interesting to know that when he commands the demons, we're expecting that they are obeying because they have to. Mm. But yet, here, Jesus commands this guy, and he exercises his free will and doesn't That's good. obey that's good. Yeah. Huh. So that's, so that's funny. The demons get who he is, but then can't tell anyone. The people hardly get who he is, but tell everyone. Great. <laughs> you almost would think that's reversed. Let the demons talk because they know who he is, but then they're demons. So there's that problem. Yeah, that's interesting. That's a good point. And then in the end, of course, you know, he keeps telling people, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone. They tell people. And then in the end, he says, uh, well, the, the young man says, go tell the disciples and Peter, go tell everyone. And then they run away and tell nobody. So it's like the one time they say, go tell people. They're like, nah, yeah. at least at first. Clearly told somebody, but it's interesting. That's good. Now I have been promising this. And today I shall deliver the big Mark, the big Mark sandwich. So remember, Mark likes this sandwiches. This, this whole section, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, through chapter 3, verse 6, the whole thing is a big mark. The whole thing is one big section, okay? So, and here, and, and again, just in case you think I'm just making this up to look fancy and look smart, it, it, it's here. Because notice, look, um, you have the healing and the healing. 
You have a controversy over eating and a controversy over eating. And then in the dead center, you have the controversy over fasting. You see that? Healing, healing, bread, condiments and cheese, cheese and lettuce and fillings, uh, controversies over eating, and then the middle controversy over fasting. Now, before we even get into it, we're going to reflect on this more at the end because there's something to be said for like going through the pieces and then coming back and looking at the whole, right? We're going to do that, maybe in a couple weeks. But before we do that, just look at the structure. Remember, the center is usually the point that the outer halves illuminate, okay? So what do you think is potentially uh, the point about the controversy over fasting and how does that relate to the controversies over eating and the healings, both of the paralytic and the man with the withered hand? Does that make sense? What do you think? What I'm wondering is, did Mark really think about this? <laughs> I think so. This is a really common um, literary form yeah. in the ancient world. Absolutely. I think he did. And even if he's not conscious of it, that doesn't mean that it wouldn't be legitimate to map it that way because um, good literature is somewhat just inherent, right? A good biography, you could map that like four or five different ways, even though it has its own organization. Yeah, the Jews did things with poetry too. Absolutely. They're very poetic. Than the way we do. Absolutely. I, I would say I think Mark knew what he was doing because he does it so often. Others kind of almost do sandwich type things throughout scripture, almost like by accident, just like a natural, like you begin and end in the same place kind of thing. But I swear Mark does it much more consciously and on purpose than the rest. I think Mark really is like drawing attention the way he structures it, especially with the big Mark. <sighs> big Mark. I dig it. That's brilliant, people. Okay. Controversy over fasting. So keep that in mind. The center is about fasting. So what would anything else that we read have to do with fasting? Or maybe a bigger point of which fasting is also an illustration. Okay. Here we go. And um, throughout this section, by the way, so you see I, I label it A, opposite A, B, opposite B, and then I put an X in the middle. Some people do an, another letter like C or whatever. I like X because X marks the spot. So, uh, so as we go through the passages, I'll have the corresponding letter at the top, just so like we can keep a frame of reference in our mind. And I'll come back to the big mark chart at the very end. So you wanna see what's in your big mark. Okay, let's read chapter two, verses one through 12. This is a big section. I have it split up six verses, six verses. Um, does anyone want to read at least the first six verses, maybe all 12? Anybody? Go for it. Okay. Excellent. You want to read the second half or you want to pass it? Okay. Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves. And he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Stand up and take your mat and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them, so that they were all amazed and glorified, God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Okay, I noticed a couple things I've never noticed before as you read that because of Tracy's brilliant reading. <laughs> I, okay, in this one especially, notice how many times it talks about talking. Say, 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 saying, said, said, saying. Over and over. That's interesting. And Jesus, like, like that's so overly repetitive. And, uh, but so that you may know that the, uh, hold on. 
Oh, which is easier to say to the paralytic, to say, stand up, take your mat, but so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you. He said to the paralytic, I say to you. What? So I don't know. And then he keeps going. And then the people are saying, we've never seen anything like this. Say, 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 say. It's, huh. I've never thought about this through the lens of the importance of speaking. I don't know. These are random thoughts. I have not dwelled on these longer than three seconds. But that's interesting. Oh, and also, um, there was something I noticed here. Uh, oh, I was thinking about the fact that it specifically says they dug through the roof. Now, that's just the way that the roofs worked. But you also dig graves and then lower them down into it. So is this, like, somewhat ironic? Like, well, this doesn't work. Or is it more like, well resurrection foreshadowing as all healings tend to be I don't know just thoughts that run through my mind like squirrels okay what did you guys notice did you notice anything go for it I was wondering was the homeowner's insurance (laughs) (laughs) that's funny that's funny this would be a fairly easy repair like it's not like the roofs were like luxurious to begin with but uh, they dug a hole big enough to put a man through they're digging through the support once you penetrate a roof, you're in trouble. That's true. That's true. They basically just destroyed his roof on his home. Yeah. And the roofs were like the kind that you could walk on. So it's not like our slanted roofs or anything. Yeah. Like they walked up there. They used it to sleep on a lot. So that would be bad if you left that. Roll over in the middle of the night and fall through the middle of the kitchen. You know that's, you know that's where the expression raining cats and dogs came from. It's from holes in the roof? Uh-huh. Oh, because it would... Oh. This is a better world knowing that that's what that means. I am so glad I know that. I am enlightened now. Oh, that was a blessing. I do too. Yes, I love stuff like that. If you ever find like a dictionary that's like, is there of just that? Yes, oh, absolutely. It's I really, want that. Once you start looking at April 5th is my birthday. <laughs> just so we're in. <laughs> like Christmas a, is coming, buddy. Beyond <laughs> the Pale. I remember that was a whole <sighs> interesting story. You know, I want that. I want that. Yeah, go ahead. You know, uh, Andrew, I've wondered about this, uh, you know, in my mind, mm-hmm. visualizing uh, this group of men or whoever they were that were so intent on getting this man to Jesus. And so <clears throat> they were kind of in charge of him, evidently. Yeah. You know, and digging the holes and the roof and getting him in. But I I envisioned that there had to be some people down there receiving this guy. Yeah. And, and it talks about how crowded it was. Get away so we can put, bring him down. Yeah. But they might help lower him down. Or, or mm-hmm. helping, you Whoops. know, yeah. securing Yeah, yeah, that's true. He says it's probably raining dirt on their heads, so they probably were like, something's going on. <laughs> Maybe some people hopped out through the, the back and they were like, uh, yeah. something's going on. Uh, and, and maybe I need to jump in here and help. Yeah, maybe they do. I don't know. Also, I just, like, I wish we would have a line of Jesus saying, hello? What's, yeah. what's going on? I wish we had a line of Jesus being like, what in the world? <clears throat> and this um, may have been an area like a breezeway kind of thing, like the, the house where you sleep or stay would be better protected. And this might be just a shade, of, you know, like... Have you seen the way they did this in The Chosen? <coughs> have you seen the way they did this scene in The Chosen? Yes. They sometimes have already, like, some spaces there so that you can, if you're on the roof, drop things down for that purpose. Oh. And it makes it look like they're using that, which I thought was interesting. It specifically says they dug it. Yeah, they dug it. But that was... Because that's... I mean, some of those houses at that time did have space to drop things to and fro. It had like a lip around it. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, what were you going to say, Ron? Oh, okay, cool. Sorry. <laughs> you know something else that intrigues me about the friends, the four of them? First off, it intrigues me there's four of them. You should know i got to ask why. I don't know why, but I'm just wondering. But the thing that intrigues me is it says specifically when Jesus saw 
their faith. At, even if the man is included in that, at least the friends are included with that. Which is why I would always say we need friends that their faith is so strong that they bring us to Jesus even whenever we're too weak to do it ourselves. Yeah. Those are the kinds of friends we need, yeah? That Jesus sees their faith and he says, they love this person. They're struggling. And I hope my faith is in there too. But let's be real. I have some dark moments just like the rest of you. Anyway. Ah. Oh, and at once, of course, is... Uh, is there an at once? No, it's here. At once, Jesus perceives in his spirit. Immediately, he perceives it in his spirit. Um, yep. Immediately, immediately. Okay. You know, it's interesting, too, that Jesus Boop. just read their mind. Yeah, he immediately, what is it, perceived in his spirit. Yeah. You know what I want to do with that phrase? Because, like in Greek, at least the, the manuscripts we have, they're not capitalized. There, there's no capitalization, really. They don't really make that distinct, distinction. Either it's all lowercase or it's all capital. Right? So in our parlance, what, the, what they might have heard, could I, could I have permission to, at least for hypothetical reasons, could I put a capital H and a capital S and see what happens? I don't know. Some people would say you can't do that. I'm just curious. Could we do it and see what happens? Just a thought. And he perceived in his spirit. Hmm. Anyway, just thoughts that run through my brain. Okay. And uh, if you were already excited about the big mark, I hope you still have an appetite because there is a, there's a smaller one here, kind of. You could, you could discern potentially. So it's like they kind of start bringing him for healing they get interrupted with the stuff about forgiveness of sins and blasphemy. Then they come back to the, the thing that was like originally being brought there for healing. So it's like healing, conflict, healing. I don't know. It's interesting. So when he says the, you know, I always thought this was a great, because he, he puts it on them to make the decision. In other words, like, he knows they're, they're thinking, ooh, who says they can forgive sin but God? Mm. So then he says, okay, you tell me which is easier to say this or to make him walk. Mm -hmm. And then they would obviously say, well, it's easier to say this than to do a miracle. And he does this. And I actually like, think it's the opposite. Well, it, I think it, it is, is easier to make someone walk than to forgive sins. And so he's saying, oh, I've right. already done the harder part. So right, right. Yeah, that's true. That's I think that's what he's doing. Yeah, but that's what in our flesh, the harder part would be. In our flesh, the harder part would be right. walking than right. saying something. In the Jewish culture, right. they, they perceive sin and, and all, you know, Yom Kippur and everything that gets in of that it's next to impossible to forgive sin. Yes. Because only God can. That's, that's what I would think. Therefore, it's easier. I think it's a lesser to the greater, like, right. or a greater to the lesser, like, well, I've already done the harder part. Right. Oh, you can walk too. Right. That's fine. Yeah. I love how the healing, again, remember, the healing is almost like beside the point in his mind. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Right. All right, just so you guys will get it. Yeah. And it's not even just because he's like, oh, poor buddy. It's so like. He's saying, so that you know yeah. that the Son of Man can forgive sins. So that's the. That's the point. That's the point. Yeah. And I wonder how they, what they do with that. You know, mm. Okay. Well, if only God can forgive sin, does that mean he's God? Or does mm. it mean we can all forgive sin? Mm. Or, you know, how do you wrestle with that? When Absolutely. You're taking, going back home after seeing this. Well, they see it as blasphemy. Yeah. He's blaspheming! Yeah. Well, it does say at the end of that that they were all amazed. Yeah. So that includes yeah. So yeah. The, the doubting uh, priest. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Interesting story. And uh, what did they think whenever they heard Son of Man? Yeah, what does that mean to them when they hear it? Hold that thought. <laughs> Hold that thought. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, Capernaum is the hometown of Jesus, not the town where he was born. That's Bethlehem. But Capernaum is like his home base. Okay, so if you go to Capernaum today, you'll see a sign like this. Capernaum, the town of Jesus. Which whenever I went to Capernaum, I was like... That's not where Jesus was born. Well, that's not the point. He was born in Bethlehem. He was raised in Nazareth as an adult for his ministry, which is the vast majority of what we know about Jesus. This is his adult life. It was in Capernaum. So you can go there today. And we're still working on getting a gathering trip going in the near future. So you should put that on your calendar. So when, if you're, What time frame are you looking at? That's good. Lauren and I are going to meet together soon to 
be more concrete, but uh, three quarters a year, not a full year, a little under, something like that. Let me get a baby and figure that out. And, yeah. Let some people get some. Let some people get some passports. You know all that stuff. Yeah. Make sure that you know things are safe. See how like like a lot of the COVID restrictions on travel has lessened a lot. So you can, you can go to Jerusalem. Yeah, pretty, kind of a year. I don't know if there's. Yeah, save, save your money. And get your passports. I wondered if there was some better time of year to go, either less crowded or special events going on, special celebrations. Probably. We're not really aiming on that though. Okay. So, yeah. But even if there's special events, you'd want to go for that. People in Jerusalem go around the end of September, beginning of October. Okay. That's the fall festivals. Okay. It would be really crowded. Then we're not going then. What are you going to say, Warren? You're never going to get to go. Me? Yeah, you're never going to get to go. Why? Are you making a threat? No. Oh. Because you said figure the baby out. The baby's going to figure you out. That's right. Okay. (laughs) True. Point taken. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'll, we'll bring them with us. We'll figure it out while we go. There you go. Or if you're going to get up there in the, by the eighth day, you better hurry up. <laughs> Wait, what? By the eighth day, you know, they oh, take, him like the, the, take him to the temple. Oh, yes, okay. Like his dedication, yeah. circumcision, etc. Okay. Oh, man, that would be cool. That would be cool. Hannah! <laughs> you want to go to Jerusalem? <laughs> it's okay. We can't go on the Temple Mount anyway. Um... So it, it, literally, it's like it was reported that he was at home. He's home. He's home for the, for the next few days. Capernaum is the home of the adult Jesus. It's the base of his operations. Um, so uh, I would say, especially for this story, the doctor is in. <laughs> especially because later on, he's going to say his line, not in this story, but in a different story that's in this same big mark. He makes the comment, well, I did not come to heal um, the healthy, but the sick. That's why doctors come. And so I would say the doctor is in. Doctor is in the office seeing patients currently, accepting new patients. You just know that was on Peter's door outside. Oh, and it seems like he's staying at Peter's house. So I don't think Jesus has his own house. But I think he's made Peter his, like he's, they're roomies. Like he's, he's uh, renting a room from Peter, so to say. Probably not literally, because Peter's probably like, you're Jesus, you don't have to pay. But it seems like he's staying with Peter. Okay. So it seems like, that is how it's going for him. Uh, it was reported. That's actually a Greek idiom. I would like to say word got around. Or the word, capital W, got around. Because the word about the word is going out, right? And so the word goes around town. Um, and then he's speaking. And, and this is subtle, but notice what it says. It doesn't say he's speaking. Um, he's preaching. It doesn't say he's using parables. Not yet. We'll get to that. It just says he's speaking the word, word to him, which assumes that we would know what the word means, which is interesting because like Mark doesn't have John's beautiful prologue. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word wasn't. I mean, he doesn't have that beautiful, eloquent introduction. Remember, he's just like, here we go. Does he just assume that Christians know what that means? Then? Does he just assume they already have something in mind when he says the word? Or it could just be like the message. So it's like the kingdom of God is near. Remember chapter 1, verse 15. This is the, this is the essence of Jesus' ministry. God's kingdom has come near and the kingdom is invading on earth as in heaven. And when they write this, they're writing it years later. And you would think there's things now they understood about what happened that they didn't at the time. You know, or yes. details that didn't seem to matter at the time that do now. Absolutely. So he's saying something that Absolutely. he probably would have said that at that time if he was writing it that day. Sure. Maybe that's... And Jesus, and Mark is summarizing a lot. Right. Mark doesn't give us a lot of content except for a few stories. Okay. And then he just summarized, well, Jesus was preaching. What did he say? Yeah, right. Mark's like, doesn't matter. And he just keeps going. So, and, and you're right, those little details, I think that's where the Spirit comes in, especially, that the Spirit's like, hey, Revealing things that I know you forgot about, yeah. but consider. Yeah. Because some of the books, you're like, that they're so deep in their in their understanding, but it didn't sound like they had that understanding at all mm-hmm. when they were walking with Jesus. I mean, they were still totally. 
I feel no shame in throwing the disciples fully under the bus as being idiots because <laughs> right. they're the ones that gave the stories to record this in the first place. Right. They're the ones that passed on the tradition. I mean, they're the ones that were like, yeah, we were idiots. We didn't get it. I mean, you know, it was one of those um, learn from my mistakes right. kind of thing. It's like Dave Ramsey saying, I went into debt. Don't do what I did. It's, it's like that, right? They're like, we were idiots. Don't do it. That's one of the proofs to the accuracy of the Bible. Sure. Is that anybody writing about themselves in history is not going to write disparaging words about themselves. Which is also probably why we don't get any record of the Exodus in Egypt. Because Egyptians are especially notorious for only recording what right. looks good on their record. The Russia, Russia yeah. of the day. <laughs> you can still find some subtle hints, but I mean, that's why it's not as abundantly obvious. Uh, some people come bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Uh, the, four, the four friends are never named. The man who's healed is never named. No names. Names are not important here, I suppose. Could also be, and, and this is a, an argument that frequents that I, I don't know how you could ever test how accurate this is, potentially, but I like the idea of it. So uh, the idea would be that a lot of the time whenever gospel authors especially don't mention the names of people, it's because they were already members of the community and they were known. And so it could just be like, well, this story, and then it'd be like me telling a story about someone who went through a great tragedy in our church, and we all know the story, and I don't name them, but I just say the story, and then we all just give that little bump and say, hmm. That was Bob. We were all together. Right, yeah. And so it's like that, maybe. And so maybe they're hearing this in church read on Sunday morning, Mark's Gospel, and their people are like, oh, brother so-and-so. You know, and maybe they've already gone on, maybe they're still there, maybe he's like, whoop, whoop. Shout out, you know, I don't know. But, and, and I like that idea. I like that idea. I also think that's why the certain young man is never named. Either because it's Mark himself, I think that one, or because it's somebody that was already in the community that they would just know. So. Wasn't there a young man at the stoning of Stephen that held the coat? Well, that was, it was Saul. That was Saul. So wasn't there a, an angel type character? Or, uh, maybe I'm mixing it up. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like axes much, so. I'm just <laughs> um, that's it. I, I need to look into that. I don't know. Um, they remove the roof above him, so the house would have consisted of cross beams covered with thatch, hardened mud. Um, the capacity of the average home—you're looking at like 50 people, maybe, if they're all standing and nobody is sitting. Which if there's elderly folk in there, some people are sitting, some people are kneeling, some people are sitting at the rabbi's feet, etc. So probably even less than that. In other words, it wouldn't take long to crowd this house pretty quick with as many people as want to see Jesus. Probably like 18 feet in the longest part of it. That's kind of what you're looking at. Um, and you could potentially, you, you could potentially dig a hole in a house like this without irreversible damage. Which is, I think, what the Chosen is trying to show, but I don't know. But then again, you know, the dig could be poetic, like I said. It could be literal or poetic or literal and poetic. I don't know. But I think there's a poetic element to it that they're digging his grave, but he's going to rise right back up out of it, so it doesn't matter. But, uh, here's, a, here's a kind of an idea of what you're looking at. They usually had a couple stories, um, not stories like we think of them, not super nice and not super, um, you know, bougie side of the neighborhood kind of thing. But uh, a lot of the times the animals would stay in the bottom. Um, and they, especially if they, like in the winter, they want to stay in there, plus you put up your animals at night. Um, a lot of them would sleep kind of up in the top more, sometimes in the bottom with the animals, if there was like a lot of people there. <laughs> sometimes whenever there wasn't enough room, yeah. Jesus did not get born in the shed out back the Holiday Inn. That is not what's happening. <laughs> this is what's happening. Everybody else is already upstairs. He's, a, he's down below. That's the word. It's, in is the old King James Version word, so we can't throw it out because people will revolt in the streets if you throw out the King James Version word. That's, in is a terrible translation. So I think Holiday Inn whenever I hear in. It's not the Holiday Inn. This isn't the cheap motel on the side of the road Then Jesus was born in the shed in the back. I mean, it's still humble circumstances. He's born amongst the animals, but it's more like this. Manger does not mean shed. Manger is the little feeding trough that he's put in like a crib. But yeah, this is kind of what you're looking at. Also, a lot of times, and it doesn't show this, but a lot of times you're going to have like, uh, 
and they kind of have these ladders here on the inside, which is why you kind of have some holes here and there. Potentially one somewhat in the center to drop things down, especially for the animals if you needed to. Because if it's cold, uh, but you get too hot sleeping inside, so you sleep up on the roof, but you don't want to freeze, but you don't want to burn, you use hay. Because that's what you got. Maybe your, your coat and some hay. So, um, and then probably there's stairs up here on the outside on a lot of them that lead up to the top. And that's probably what the friends are doing, right? They wouldn't have access to the inside ladders. They're probably going around on the outside up to the top. Also, we don't know how many stories are in this house potentially. Seems like there's one. What if there's two? That's even funnier. That'd be even funnier because that would be damaged because then they would have to like crawl down the first ladder. Then they would have to dig a hole through the second story. Oh. Oh, evangelism, right? Anything for Jesus. Evangelism. Okay. Well, it's interesting, too, that, okay, so everything was really crowded, and they were, like, standing in the doorway. Um, so if these four guys walk up with this stretcher with the guy on it, you know, these people, I guess, you know, weren't willing to get out of the way to let him in through the door, but yet... When they get up on the ceiling, I mean on the roof, and they let him down, somebody's going to have to make a little room for him to come down. Yeah. And so. Ah, what? You know, yeah. So they weren't willing to let him come in this way, but now they're going to have to let him come in this way. I, I don't know. I'm just. Or else thinking. he lands on their head, and they have yeah. to. They have to move. Right. Yeah. I almost wonder if they're like coming down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. And then they're probably like. Oh. And then people are like, oh, and they're yeah, like backing out the back door. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I wonder how many of those people were looking for something healing or. And we have no indication Jesus is deterring them, right? Right. He's like, okay. I mean, he doesn't even seem phased by it. It's like they finish the process, then he turns and like, oh, okay. He probably not phased. It was all happening. <laughs> you know, yeah. He probably could. Does he stop? Does he keep teaching? I don't know. Yeah. Like the dust okay. out of his eyes and keep going. Anyway, as I was saying, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And yeah, yeah, are these other people like, hey man, we got here first. We need healing yeah. too. Right. Yeah, could be. It could be. I don't know. Write that down on the list of questions. <laughs> Write that down. Um, they let the man down on the mat on which the paralytic lay. Poor people often had only a mat for a bed, so this is probably the very bed he always sleeps on. This is probably the uh, his bed. Even, I mean, you know, it's not like they had a Serta or something. They didn't have the fluffy sheep. You know, they had um, sleep number, you know, no Jerusalem sleep number store. They probably, a lot of people just use these mats. Pretty common. So, I mean, this is. Not been, I always thought of it as a structure, you know, structure, a, a, a cot or a. Yeah. A, but he probably was just bundled up in a. Okay. okay. got wrapped you know, up in. Yeah, and just I saw an artist's illustration. Yeah. And it was, it was like a, a woven uh, yeah, like mat. a hammock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they had wrapped uh, ropes around this uh, mm-hmm. slipping out. Mm-hmm. We always assumed that they had like one on Right. With this bed. Right. Oh, that's adorable. Oh. Oh. Yeah, you could put him down head first. He's being reborn. Okay. That's stretching. That's stretching. I know. I'm sorry. That's, that's stretch. That's reaching. Anyway. Well, that's probably how you buried somebody. You didn't put them on a, on a stretcher. They probably wrapped them in... Oh, yeah. Ooh, ooh, I do like that. That's possible. Uh-huh. <gasps> ooh. The skinnier that could make him. Ooh. The less old I would have. Yeah, so what if he's a little wrapped up in this? Could it have somewhat akin to a burial shroud? Yeah. Ah, I like the way you think. I like that. This is why I love teaching this stuff, especially narrative, because with narrative you can never exhaust all of it. Not that you can exhaust any of the rest of it. But narrative inherently is inexhaustible because there's always those little details that you're like, has that always been there? Mm-hmm. And I love that, of course, we have four narratives 
about our Lord. Yeah. And so you can see these things. Iron sharpens iron. Many of your comments are making it into notes for future editions of this presentation. Uh, <laughs> uh, notice, I already said this. Jesus sees the friends of the faith. Uh, the excuse me, faith of the friends. It seems, and maybe the man's included in that. He probably is, but he sees their faith, plural, not his faith. The man. He sees their faith, um, and faith is, of course, the common factor in Jesus's healing of. People like, your faith has made you well, your faith has made you well. Could this be a scenario where your friend's faith made you well? Yours is faltering, but you have friends that are faithful and bring you to Jesus because they know what you need even whenever you don't. You got friends like those? You need some, those fellow Jesus followers. Determined faith is also always counted in the Old Testament. Persistence, right? There's something to be said for that. I am going to get hurt if it kills me kind of mentality. Um, you know, that, that annoying kid in class, whenever you're teaching, first, beginning of the year, you're ready to kill him. By the end, you're like, I respect your eagerness, kid. You know what I'm saying? At least they're trying. This other kid's been texting the whole time, and at least they're not talking, but you're not getting anything. This kid wants to learn. Yeah. Kind of nothing to lose. Kind of, Absolutely. Nothing to lose. I can't Absolutely. About my I love the audacity of it. Oh, for more Christians that have a little more audacity. Hmm. Okay, we're getting close. Um, I don't want to go any further, unfortunately. We're not even through the first 12 verses of chapter 2. That's okay. We will work through the big mark. Bring your appetite. Meaty stuff. I hope next week we get to the Son of Man discussion, because that is so important, so fascinating. Steve's already hit it. He's smart. He doesn't need to be told this, but yeah, it's Daniel. I despise whenever I hear people say, well, Son of Man, it's probably just saying he's human. And I'm like... No, he's claiming divinity. It's, that's a vastly different statement. And in fact, liberal theologians harp on the Son of Man means he's just being human. So you're actually not helping your case. Anyway, we'll get into this later. We'll get into this later. Uh, somebody close us in prayer. Anybody feel led to do so right now? Anybody? Please do. Father, we love and adore you, and we love this Bible class where we can glean from each other and especially from Christians around the world to unite and to come to you, those that are that are not there, Father. And we ask that we um, need the hands and feet that might help them, even though they may not know that they need help, like we've just discussed here. Mm -hmm. um, again, we love you and adore you, and we uh, bring our worship before you now, Father. And we do all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Text and Context podcast. If you're interested in some other great content, then you can go over to my website. It's txtandcontxt.com. It's Text and Context without E's in it. So again, that's txtandcontxt.com. Head on over there and check out a bunch of free resources and plenty of articles about a wide range of topics, as well as book reviews and plenty more. Thank you for listening.